Hey, it's syndicated radio talk show host, author, singer, Al Cole, welcoming you to another edition of People of Distinction, the talk that gives an in-depth view. Coming up, a real family kind of guy here. His name is Bernie L. Calloway, and I call him a family guy because he's talking about, really, our human family, as we do on People of Distinction, with his book, History and Mystery. Now, we know that history is something that we learn from, and sometimes history can be the learning tool to solving mysteries. Get it? Now, I know you're not quite getting it because, you know, that could apply to many, many things. But Bernie is applying it to, you could say, the Bible, uh, a Christian point of view. Eschatology. All right. Learn a new word. I think a lot of my listeners, though, are very sophisticated. Eschatology is uh, the study of things to come and endpoints in our human family development. So Bernie, his book, get ready for this, people. <laughs> I don't think you've ever heard a book title quite like this. His book is called The Complete Eschatological Encyclopedia of Prophecy, Apocalyptism, <laughs> Mythos, and Worldwide Dynamic Theology and you know, all of that stuff just couldn't be put into one volume. Volume 125. Yeah. So five volumes. It took Bernie to talk about all of this stuff. And still, you know, he ain't through. Because, you know, it takes a lifetime to learn about this from an eschatological point of view. Again, end times. And what uh, what's the real meaning of the book of Revelation? And... Uh, what happens after, you know, certain things happen to maybe put us in a very bad position with uh, a lot of the, the things that might go on that, uh, that could cause disruption in our world? Well, it's going on right now. And how certain people could be raptured from it. Yeah, we're going through tribulation times, maybe. And uh, in the Christian uh, point of view, you know, there are times that uh, we could even say seven years of a tribulation. Are we going through it now? Well, we don't know that, but maybe Bernie does know that. And what happens after that seven-year tribulation uh, where, you know, some people are raptured up to heaven or maybe even before the seven-year tribulation? You never know. And then after that, hey, what about the millennial? And a lot of things that are very deep in our existence. Now, whether you're a Christian or a Buddhist or whether any sort of religion or maybe no religion, uh, it's a learning experience here that Bernie is going to put us through with his book, History and Mystery, with all the deep things that we're talking about right now. And Bernie's going to put it his way on People of Distinction. And uh, you can run to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and uh, order his book, History and Mystery, and uh, I will say that he was brought to me by a great publishing company out there called Authors Press. They help you to develop your directions in books. You've written a book, you want to get it off the ground. Well, Authors Press is uh, the ground-making book uh, company for you. They move books. You want a book that you've got to move, well, you've got to move it through them. Authorspress.com. Welcome, Bernie, to People of Distinction with Al Cole. It's a pleasure to have you on today. How are you doing, Bernie? Uh, hello, Al. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a privilege. 
Yeah, we're going to be talking it up here, and uh, you, you, you've got a lot to talk up. Eschatological Encyclopedia of Prophecy and everything else here. Uh, first thing my listeners want to know, why did you spend all this time writing about this, Bernie? Well, I've been interested in end times events and prophecy since I was a small boy, just barely able to read. And uh, the attraction just seemed to grow as I got older. And now I'm very, very old and still interested, still wondering about the subject, still trying to learn about the subject. You're quite correct. Now, it is a deep uh, exercise. It uh, takes some uh, effort to dig out the information, but I think it's a lot of fun to try. It is. It's a lot of fun, and it's also very, very edifying when one finds out answers, and one doesn't have to be afraid of uh, of the end times and what comes after death and all of that stuff. So let's hear it. Uh, let's unpack this uh, step by step. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to do that. It's a daunting subject, as you know, but uh, do your best to give us some of the basics here with eschatology, prophecy, everything else. Uh, what are some of the main things that my listeners should know about your book? I think the first thing, if it's all right with you, is that we better define a couple of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're quite essential to understanding the subject in, in any measure. And uh, if, with your permission, I'd like to do that first. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first word is uh, the one you've already mentioned, eschatology. It has to do with uh, end-time events that we have not experienced at all in our lifetime. It concerns things that are going to happen or are predicted to happen by prophecy, uh, all kinds of prophecy from all over, all kinds of literature and exposition. But it, the technical word, I guess, can be best defined as uh, something that is a farthest out study, you know, way out there. And uh, that gives us a basis for understanding what kind of literature it is and what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The second word is apocalypticism. That's a rather complex term, but it really has a simple meaning. It uh, refers to uh, a type of writing that is most specific to eschatology. If you look at it, it's uh, when you find apocalyptic literature, you're always going to find that it's exciting, that it's uh, rather dramatic, very pointed. It often uses a lot of symbolism and uh, similes, and uh, it uh, never quite says specifically what it means. It's uh, at least a little mystery at the end that it kind of wants us to figure out exactly what the author is saying. So with those two words, that's how it's what it is, and that's how we do it: eschatology and apocalypticism. If we know that, we've got a good start. Yeah, I like it. You put it right. Defining terms is one of the ways for people to understand where you're going with this. Now that you've defined some of these terms in you know very basic language here. What do they mean to the everyday American or everyday uh, 
citizen of our planet, uh, the human family in general. What's some of the import here, uh, Bernie? Well, let's let's put it this way, in my opinion. Uh, People being the way they are, I don't care who you are, what status of life you're in, what your age is, or what your outlook or your worldview might be. I think just about all of us are interested in what we can't know about the future. I mean, we we can say, well, I don't know anything about the future. It doesn't matter. I just live day to day. But deep down in our minds and hearts, I think everybody wants to know, what if? You know, what's coming next? Uh, Is there anything out there beyond this life and thinking into a existence of another life? Is it real or is it imaginary? Can we learn anything about it or is it forever closed off to us and we'll never know? Is there anything after death? Is there another kind of life uh, in another dimension or another existence? I think people want to know that. And Mm -hmm. uh, deep in their own selves and their souls kind of ask for the information. What is there out there? that would be of interest to me and what can I possibly expect beyond the life that I'm living now. And what is Does that make any sense? Yeah, and what are some of your essential answers to those questions, uh, Bernie, from history and mystery? Well, I'd very clearly say uh, from a Christian perspective and from many other religions also, we firmly believe that this life we're living now in a physical body is certainly not the only life there is. There must be something after, maybe even something, or essentially even something better than this life. And uh, that's what the uh, five volumes is all about. We're trying to pick out terms that occur in Scripture and in life and in literature in general that try to talk about the subject because, as you mentioned earlier, it is very deep. It is rather complex sometimes, and uh, we get information from all over in every type of literature that wants to tell us something about what those particular authors and writers and theologians and thinkers want to say to uh, to the people that they're, that they're interested in knowing. So uh, to do that, we ought to know what the language is, if we can, uh, Every occupation, you know, has its own talk, you know, its own language. If you're working at a factory, you have uh, technical knowledge that you can pass on and words that factory people will only understand. If you're in business, it's the same. If you're in education, it's the same. Well, that's just like that in theology. We have our words, too. And there are a lot, and I mean a lot of them. Uh, I spent uh, 14 years looking up all those that I could. And it turned out to be an experience of uh, ending up with five volumes of that's about uh, 10,000 definitions to cover just this one subject of eschatology and apocalypticism. Mm-hmm. Now, is that too much? No, no, it's not too much. I would say, Bernie, if you're asking me, actually, it's not too much. It might be a little bit too little right now because I'm going to... Come straight to the point. As far as maybe what some of the people who are listening right now would want to know, because 
when it really comes down to eschatology, and when it comes down to the apocalypse, also known as Revelation, when it comes down to Christian thinking about end time, there are two huge words that always come into play, and that is heaven and hell. And it's hard not to bring that into eschatology at a certain point. If we lived in a world that was love-based and that everything in this world was heavenly, well, I don't think that there would be a fear of death in this lifetime. And that is one of the big aspects of eschatology, how we get over the fear of death or sometimes what makes us fear death even more. And that is really heaven and hell. Are they, do they really exist? And if they do exist, are we as human beings going to relieve ourselves from some of the earthly suffering at a certain point after death and enter into heaven? Now, I believe that many Christians believe that, well, Yes, I'm going to heaven after I die, so I'm not fearing death. Then there are a whole bunch of other people who could still be Christians, but also other uh, sorts of religions that approach it a different way, and many people who are on the fence thinking, oh boy, I'm shivering. I'm not showing anybody that I'm shivering in my boots about death, but I am. What's going to happen after I die? Oh no, I've heard about this. I've heard about uh, you know uh, going to hell and the gnashing of teeth and all of that stuff and fire and brimstone. I mean, I thought I was living in hell right here on earth. Maybe it's a homeless person. Maybe it's this or that. It's going to be even worse once I, oh God, please, you know, tell me, Bernie, it's not going to be worse. See, I think that that is the heart and soul, at least of maybe what people want to know about your book. Do you approach it ever from that point of view too? You know, essentially heaven and hell, the fear of death, what's going to happen over the next few years to this planet, maybe going into a tribulation. Uh, uh, do you ever approach it from that point of view, Bernie? Oh, you're absolutely right, of course. Uh, uh, how could anyone, theologian or not, discuss eschatology or the end times without mentioning those two dimensions that you just talked about, mm -hmm. heaven and hell. Yeah. Uh, how could it possibly be that we can have an intelligent discussion without knowing what we're talking about, at least as much as possible, on those two terms? First, of course, we know heaven is a wonderful place. It's the desire of every human, every soul, <clears throat> to inhabit a place where there is no fear and no tears and no pain and no strife. That doesn't necessarily mean that we just sit around on fluffy clouds uh, crimping with our halos and playing harps. That's not the idea. Mm -hmm. A better image might be that heaven is a place where we're active and where we know each other, where we interact with each other, and where we see our Lord face to face. Hell now would, of course, be the exact opposite. A time of loneliness, blackness, darkness, despair, hopelessness. Who'd want that? You know? But that's a part of eschatology, too. Both those terms have meaning. Both of them are important. Let me give you, if I may, a Christian perspective, mm -hmm. because the five volumes, all of them, have to do with Christian theology, 
and it's unapologetic because that's what the books are. First of all, uh, Christians believe that heaven is attainable only by the recognition of Jesus Christ as Savior and repentance from sin and accepting of his salvation and his uh, death on the cross as atonement for our own sins. To do that guarantees our participation in heaven. To not do that describes the opposite. I hope that was clear. And I, uh, oh, yes. Uh, takes five volumes to do it very well, but uh, that's the best I can do, I think, in about a paragraph. Yeah, and according to that thesis, uh, where does it really stand here as far as uh, age of accountability, uh, things along the line of, well, if I die right now, how do I know I'm going to go to heaven? How do I actually know I'm going to go to hell? Uh, because the acceptance of Jesus Christ, it, those are words. And even born-again Christians who accept that it's more than just words will, if they want to really be honest about it, they will say, well, I can't judge another person's heart. I can go by maybe what that person is telling me, yeah, oh, yeah, you sound like you're saved. Oh, you sound like you have some work to do to be saved. You know, still accept, you know, have that really, uh, have that internal relationship with Jesus. But what is that? How does one actually know? Or if one doesn't really know, then it's up to God and the judgment day to find that out. Uh, but are there ways that one can really know ahead of time? And even more importantly, maybe, know about their family members ahead of time and the people that they love, that, yes, you are truly saved. You don't have to worry about this tribulation and everything else. You're going to go to heaven. Do we really know that, Bernie? Uh, you have zeroed in on exactly what I think the number one, uh, I don't want to call it a problem, but the number one concern of most people is, am I going to heaven? Am I secure in my salvation? Is this real for me, or do I have a doubt that I could go, pardon the expression, either way? Yeah. Let's just say this. Uh, it's kind of sad, in my opinion, that believing Christians have some doubt that their salvation is not fixed or eternal, because Jesus has assured us that if it's happened, if our relationship with him is real and it has happened, and it's strong, our place in heaven is absolutely guaranteed. There's no reason to doubt or to be afraid. However, if that is not the case, then I think your people have legitimate fear that we don't know what death will bring. You also mentioned, Al, a minute ago about uh, judgment. Some people think that, uh, well, I'm, I'm so good, I, I'm going to heaven no matter what. Other people say, I'm so bad, I have to go to hell because I am bad. Mm -hmm. uh, seems to me there ought to be a, a better answer than that, you know. Uh, if our salvation in Christ is a sure thing and, our, and heaven is a sure thing, but judgment is reserved uh, for the ungodly, for those who do not believe and those who uh, have refused or 
or deny Christ's salvation. Now, for those who do not do that and who really believe and are strong in their faith, what fear is there? There should be no fear mm-hmm. because it's real. Now, you might say, well, what's uh, morality and behavior got to do with it? Why, why is it not important to be a good person? And, and of course it is, but uh, that is not uh, God's uh, standard or criteria for entering heaven. If we want to honor our faith, if we want to be kind to others, if we want to be obedient to God's commands, and certainly we act a different way than a worldly person or a mean person or a dictator-type person would ever do. So uh, if we want the rewards of heaven and to have the blessings there that are multiplied, of course we want to be the best person we can in this life because this is the life we have. But uh, God isn't going to deny us heaven because we uh, did something bad. Uh, When I was a teenager, I stole my neighbor's watermelons every summer. (laughs) And it bothered me for some time. And now I say, well, I think God has forgiven me for that. Even if I didn't eat them, I did steal them. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry for it, but I don't think that's going to deny me a place in the eternal place of grace. Right. Hey, people, get on board here. We're talking to Bernie L. Calloway, and he's talking about his great and uh, uh, very daunting book, History and Mystery. And I'm going to give you the complete subtitle here again, The Complete Eschatological Encyclopedia of Prophecy. Apocalyptic, apocalypse. I'm used to saying apocalypse. The apocalypse. <laughs> so, the adjective yeah. form again eludes me uh, when I'm apocalypticism. Okay, mythos and worldwide dynamic theological or theology, volume one and five. Now, if you didn't write all of that down, people, and it's very difficult. All you have to do is go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Just put in history and mystery. And then after that, if you have to put in the actual name of the author, well, his name is Bernie L. Calloway. Now you get it. And I want you to order that book. It is really something. Uh, Bernie has spent years and years putting together five volumes, and I'm sure they will tell you some of the answers here that, uh, you know, we can't go over everything in just this uh, spotlight interview. But Bernie is doing a wonderful job at explaining some of the basics. A couple of other things I want to get into, and this is another question that I want to ask you that I would think would be relevant to your book. Uh, We talked a little bit about heaven and hell, two extremely big words. There are three other very big words. When it comes down to eschatology, tribulation, rapture, millennium. Uh, how do they fit into your book, those three aspects of uh, of Christian thinking? Okay, tell me the first word you had again. I didn't quite catch it. Oh, now. the first one is tribulation. Uh, tribulation, uh, yeah. yes. So tell us a little bit about that as it relates to your book in, uh, in eschat- eschatol- eschatological way. Uh, does it relate here? And are, do you think we this planet is in the tribulation now, especially with coronavirus uh, being, wow, something totally different 
in our human family history. What do you think about that? Tribulation, take that one. Tribulation uh, is really kind of finds itself. Uh, we all know the word means trouble, chaos, uh, confusion, fear, uh, hardship. And when we talk about apocalyptic tribulation, we're talking about really bad stuff. You know, we're talking about things that could go wrong and will go wrong in our world. Everything from earthquakes to plagues to murderous uh, human regimes and government. And uh, even an attack by Satan or Antichrist himself. You can't get much worse than that, right? So that's what tribulation is. Christian theology mostly says that we're headed for a time. When there will be uh, coming upon us at a time unknown to us, by the way, about seven full years of this kind of chaos on our world, a time when uh, it couldn't, you can't imagine anything worse. So if that comes about, we have some concerns here, don't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how could it? The uh, moment of how could there be a moment of peace and uh, contentment in that kind of world? So that's what the tribulation is, that, according to Christian theology. Sometimes we divide that seven years into half, three and a half called the tribulation, and three and a half at the end called the great tribulation. Uh-huh. That says to me that it's going to start out bad, but it's going to get worse. So. Uh, that's something that we are looking for that we don't really want to happen, but according to our theology, it certainly is predicted to happen. Yes, and then there's the rapture. Uh, some Christians believe that uh, there will be a rapture before the tribulation, and then others believe uh, you know, post-trib it's going to happen after the tribulation. Where do you stand on that with your book, History and Mystery? You're quite right. Um, every Christian, I believe, believes in a, a rapture of some description and time. Uh, we don't, when we die, that's not the end. Our bodies will be renewed and our spirits renewed and we inherit a new existence. Uh, and that happens to all of us in according to our theology and our belief and our faith. Uh, the question is, does this rapture that's snatching up from the earth to heaven in a changed and new and wonderful body. Does this happen before the tribulation seven years existence? Does it happen after it? Or as some people think, fewer by the way, but some people do believe it happens somewhere in the middle. Uh So uh, that's where the controversies begin according to the theory of the rapture. Before, after, or in the middle. Well, that's uh, that's an opinion, or just about as much as it is anything else, because some theologians will say, yes, of course it's early, and others will say, absolutely not, it has to be at the end. Others will say, well, it could happen at any time during the seven years. And uh, I'm going to leave that, uh, that decision up to the individual, according to his or her faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, But you did ask me what my opinion was, and I'd be happy to give it because this is what I firmly believe, uh, the rapture, the snatching up from earth to heaven at the call of Jesus, 
will be uh, before the tribulation. His church will be taken out, taken away, rescued, and uh, safe with him before the seven years come upon us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, as I say again, let me emphasize that is my opinion. Now, it's not everyone's opinion. Uh, given that that is your opinion, uh, and you are here today talking about it on People of Distinction, I would have to then logically assume that you, that you yourself believe that this planet is not in the tribulation. Otherwise, you'd have been raptured out of it. Or maybe you're not saved. <laughs> That's a little <laughs> bit of levity there. But uh, you would think that because of the logic involved, that uh, you're not raptured up right now. You are still on this planet. You're talking to me, Al Cole, and uh, you're on my show, People of Distinction, that this, as bad as things are right now with the coronavirus uh, situation, that this planet is not actually in a tribulation form eschatologically. Is that right? I'm pleased you brought this up at this time because it's on my mind also. Yes, I do believe that the, that the rapture will happen before the tribulation. If I'm wrong, I'll apologize to everybody. But uh, like you said, if I'm if we're here together, it obviously hasn't happened yet. However, the scriptures and our theology and our faith tells us that there are signs in our life today in our present age that point to those coming days of terror. Uh, There are uh, examples happening on earth even now and have been for a while about things that are not going exactly right and are pointing to these uh, predicted and expected terrible days ahead. So even though it hasn't happened yet, there are indications that tell us very clearly, I think, that something is about to happen. Let's also remember, Al, that uh, the rapture, according to our belief, it happens instantaneously. The scripture calls it in a time that's as short as the blinking of an eye. Yep. That is really fast. So there won't be any time to contemplate whether, oh, we've hit the rapture, we've hit the uh, tribulation now uh, because we'll be gone so fast, yeah. how could you even know that it's happening? So uh, all we can do is rely on what we're experiencing now, what we're seeing in our own lives, and take lessons from it. Yeah. Now, you brought up the coronavirus. I'm glad you did, because you're going to find a lot of people today who say, oh, this is a sign of the end times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did. Jesus did predict this sort of thing happening, wars, rumors of wars, trouble, strife, plague, uh, economic woes, morality that's gone down the tubes, and a lot of other things that are not good. And so let's pay attention to them and uh, be expecting and looking for what we can find out because uh, we're cautioned at all times in scriptures to be aware, to be alert, to be expectant and to be keen on looking for what is happening in our will that's going to tell us something about what's going to happen in our future world. And lastly... That's uh, what I can do with it. Yeah, that's fine. And lastly, the millennium. 
just just give yeah. it uh, you know a quick uh, go over here uh, because of time considerations. Uh, the millennium, new heaven, new earth, Jesus thousand year reign over planet earth. Now, that is not quite the same as heaven, right? It is not the same. Yeah. Uh, the millennium, uh, is, the word means 1,000 years, that's from the Latin. And it means that Christ will reign upon the earth, not heaven, for that length of time. Now, in all fairness, I have to tell you that not every theologian believes it's exactly a thousand years, because a thousand could be symbolic of a long time. Mm -hmm. But let's just assume that it's literally what it says it is, a thousand years. It means that when Jesus has uh, completed his uh, experiment with the tribulation and things are settled down and we get the, the new chance at life, he wants to rule on his created earth for that length of time and just to show us this is what i meant to happen back in genesis time for adam and eve and for all the generations past it this is the perfect way that i want my people to live and we're going to experience it for a thousand years time and enjoy it and to do our work in it to live our lives in it to have our families in it and to enjoy christ's reign over us, in which you will allow no immorality, no sin, no corruption, no unhappiness, and no sorrow. It's sort of like heaven in that way, but it's on earth, and it's for a limited time. Mm -hmm. After those years are done, however long they might be, Christ, uh, there will be a rebellion upon the earth, and Jesus will deal with that very quickly, and the heavenly realms begin. That's as uh, quick a diagnosis as I can give with synopsis right. that I can give you in a few minutes. Sure, I understand. And yet it's, it is still problematic. As you said, a rebellion, even in the millennium, when, as you described, Jesus is saying, well, this is the way it was meant to be. If it's the way it was meant to be, why would there be a re Well, that is a deep question, but maybe uh, an easier question to answer would be, People can still lose their salvation even during the millennium. Is that right? I don't know that they can lose it so much as that they don't claim it. You know, they, it's the I'm same sorry? as they, it is today. We can deny Christ. You can do that just as readily then as now. Uh, because the heart of people, I think, is, oh, many people will say, oh, we're such good people at the base. I happen to think we're not so good, you know, that we need a little help. We need a lot of help to overcome our faults and failures and, and to be the kind of person that we know we want to be. And uh, I don't even think we can do it on our own strength. We just have to have God's love and permission and, and his uh, offer of salvation to make it happen for us because we right. just can't be good enough. Yeah, right. But the direct question is uh, if there are, let's say, I don't know what, two billion people left in the millennium, it's not guaranteed that those two billion human beings are going to go to heaven after the millennium. There can be some that go elsewhere, possibly to hell. Or you know, Not everybody even is guaranteed salvation in the millennium, in the way that I'm describing it. 
going to heaven right after the millennium. That is that true? I see what you're saying. Uh, I would even say even closer to what you were thinking that it's a guarantee that many will not. And now, how do you like that? It's a guarantee that many uh, will not, and yet it's supposed to be the perfect life. How, if you're living the perfect life, and I'm just talking about according to what you're saying, then if you're living a perfect life, how can you still be judged not uh, fit for heaven at that point? It's not so much me uh, asking this. It's my listeners or anybody listening to this that might have a problem. Uh, How would you deal with that particular dilemma, Bernie? I understand because uh, it's easy to think, you know, well, if it's a perfect environment and if it's a perfect world, why can't we be perfect? Well, the answer, of course, is that even in a perfect world, if everything we have, if we had everything that we need, everything that we want, if only we had the very best, we'd be okay. That is simply not the fact because people have a tendency to evil and uh, without some kind of divine guidance and participation in life, they will turn to evil and refuse salvation of the divine. And so uh, even if everything is just right, we're still going to have a tendency to rebel and, and to back off from what, uh, what we could have as the very best in life. So even if everything is just right, and that's what the lamentum is, I think. It, he's, Jesus is trying to show us, see, here everything is just the way you wanted it, and still you do not believe, and still you're not saved. So uh, he's shown us that uh, we just can't do this by ourselves in our own strength. It's going to take God's intervention and the sacrifice of his son to make us perfect because we can never be perfect on our own. Even if a perfect world exists, we still resist. Okay, we get the message here on People of Distinction, and you, my People of Distinction listeners, you can order Bernie's book, History and Mystery, at Amazon and also Barnes & Noble. And Bernie, I'm going to give another minute to you to... uh, Say anything to recap any way that you want your book, History and Mystery. Uh, Now, of course, (laughs) we spend a lot of time talking about it, and you spend a lot of time writing about it, one to uh, five volumes. But just cap it off to my listeners right now. In a minute, uh, the underlying main message that they should get from this. Oh, it's okay. I'd like to close with a word of thanks to you for your help in the interview and also to your listeners because uh, you're my fellow believers, my fellow friends, uh, and I wish you the very best. And I urge you to uh, think deeply about eternal and and uh, inexpressible expressions because it's important to our daily living. And I just want to say God bless you to all of them. And uh, uh, it took me 14 years or so to write this book, but don't you worry. It, I don't expect anyone to spend that kind of effort to do, uh, to have the knowledge that you need in order to experience the perfect life hereafter. You only need the strong faith and belief in God and 
your repentance of salvation, and your salvation will be assured. That's what I want to say in mm-hmm. closing, if that's all right. Absolutely, and you said it, and we appreciate that. And I'm going to cap it off with a couple of words to my listeners right now, my people on People of Distinction, uh, in reference to history and mystery. Uh, One of the things that you can do, again, my listeners right now, this is going out to, to assure our human family uh, betterment, development, eschatologically into our future and end times within this planet, prayer. Now, that's a huge aspect here. Prayer is another form of love, showing love to God, showing love to your loved ones, praying for them, showing love to yourself, that you care enough about yourself to even make that communion with God at that point. There's another aspect to prayer as well, people, that often we exclude from the prayer process. Everybody prays sometime for something. Usually we're praying for ourselves, and secondarily we're praying for our loved ones. Well, enter into a third aspect of this too. Pray for people that you don't even know. And some people would say, well, Al, how can I pray for somebody if I don't know that person? Oh, come on. You know that people exist outside of you that maybe... You, you know a name. I don't know. Maybe it's a star. Maybe it's somebody that you read about. And you just utilize that name. All right, so this goes out to so-and-so. Or maybe just make up a name. This is a big world. Yeah, there'll be a name attached to some heart and soul out there that might need that prayer. And as you pray to someone that maybe you don't even know that needs that prayer, put it in the name of somebody that you do know that you love. So this prayer goes out to Johnny B. Johnny B. Good. (laughs) And there's a Johnny B. Good out there whose uh, heart is touched by this prayer. But it goes out through, you're saying, hey, this prayer goes out from Uncle Jim. Yeah, my favorite uncle, who is full of love in his heart. And he's sharing the love in his heart right now with Johnny. So now you're coupling up a couple of people. You're, you know, getting your uncle and this stranger, Johnny, to get to know each other. And you could say vibrationally with that love energy through a prayer that you're sending out there. And then maybe their hearts and souls will send out another prayer and it gets all around. See, that's another thing that we can do. It doesn't take any significant time. We're going to pray any place. And also, it is something that you can do within your own home. You don't have to go outside to do that. You can do it within your chapel, wherever you're sitting right now, wherever you're standing. And you can, it doesn't even take words, really. You can think that prayer. You don't even have to actually say it physically. So you can say it any place that you want to say it. Put it in your heart first. Send that prayer message out from your heart to others with love. And I guarantee that prayer is going to come back to you and your loved ones as well. And that's how we talk on People of Distinction with Al Cole. And one more time, Bernie L. Calloway talking that talk too on People of Distinction with his book, History and Mystery. 
And uh, that can be yours at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So run there and order that book, History and Mystery. And one more time, he was brought to us by a wonderful self-publisher in the world, and that is Authors Press, who brought Bernie to people of distinction. And uh, if you want a book that uh, you have to really move, well, they're your movers, Authors Press. Go to AuthorsPress.com. Thank you so much, Bernie, for being my special guest on People of Distinction with Al Cole. And we wish you all the best with your book and also your life directions. Thank you so much, Bernie. You're very welcome. You're very wise. You're very gracious. It was fun. Thank you for letting me do it. It was a privilege and an honor, too. Authors Class.